breakfast puppies? This podcast contains adult language and content and is meant for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Glitter Boys Radical. Bassman Cranny, don't listen to this one. It has some sad news at the very beginning. We are coming into a very sad topic today. Now, of course, we're 22 years past this point. (laughs) This was a sad point in the past, but now we are reliving that sadness with Rifter number nine. And the reason Rifter nine is so sad is because this is where we are told in a really long and kind of heartfelt post from Kevin, why Palladium decided to no longer move forward with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles role-playing game license. Yeah, um, and, and to be clear, this is not them losing the license. This is them deciding that, and he really goes into great detail on why, but I mean, it, them just deciding not to carry forward and, and why. I think we're probably going to talk mostly about that because that was the the part, like there's a lot of good stuff going on here, but that was the part as usual. It's the, the insight into the workings Mm -hmm. that I find really fascinating. I'll tell you what, let's do something we don't normally do with rifters. Yeah. Well, let's save this for the end of the episode discussion and move forward because honestly, this rifter doesn't have much going. It's got some stories. It's got good old nights at the dinner table. You know, Bill Coffin coming attractions. In, yeah. um, we it is talking about the the onboarding of Bill Coffin as a full time Palladium employee, and simultaneous with the leaving of Mark Sumimoto. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll we'll revisit this in the future. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> I love this call out to Wayne Smith here, and. The, on page 10 about the editor-in-chief not having fun because, uh, right. well, <laughs> all of this will come right back around full circle in Rifter in the next episode of The Rifter, which we get to <laughs> shortly. Uh, <laughs> anyway, another sad bit here is to talk about the other side store here in Portland, Oregon. Once again, yeah, that store doesn't exist. That's so sad. The building it's in barely exists, the Lloyd Center. <laughs> the Lloyd Center is a dying husk of a former of a retail center. Okay, so seriously, though, we need to talk about the Lloyd Center as a live-action setting because apparently there are flooded caverns underneath it. There has been burned-out sections. There is still, like, a small mercantile thing, but it's this vast, vast, empty mall. And there are things living in it. And there's been a disaster. I swear to God. I swear to God. We need to get some swords. And <laughs> we need to go exploring. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually getting an idea here for like a one-shot adventure. Uh, or maybe a two-shot adventure. And, or it could even be a three-shot. Because part one and part two would lead, would combine in part three. And it would be a pair of, a group of LARPers who are like, uh, you know, laser gun kind of sci-fi LARPers and then mm-hmm. another group of LARPers that are like sword and sorcery, yeah. sword and sorcery LARPers. And they are completely separately run into each other 
in the middle of the Lloyd Center, and then in episode three, they have to collectively save the world from an actual interdimensional evil. Which is, okay, so that's that's riffs right there. (laughs) (laughs) Get a whole bunch of LARPers and throw them up against an evil. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. Um, There is a new thing, uh, which I don't know if it came off or not, but I do like the concept of shameless plugs. Where it's like, this is what everyone else is working on. Yeah, I don't think this is a recurring I don't. Thing, but it might come back every now and then. Yeah. And then there's the uh, Kevin's top 10 lists, which which I liked as the uh, the coming of the new millennium. Uh, so uh, the top 10 lists that Palladium fans might enjoy. Here's interesting. At this time, this is just before. Rifter 9 is just before the 2000, the year 2000. So this is what is the, the best-selling lines of all time. Riffs, number one. Number two, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Number three, Robotech. Number four, Palladium Fantasy. Number five, Heroes. Number six, After the Bomb, which was then apparently a sub a subline to Heroes Unlimited and not the... It was initially a branch yeah, of right? TMNT, I think. I thought so, too. And then it became its own game. But I mean, I, this is Kevin writing it, so I'm sure he knows. Yeah. Um, then uh, Nightbane, Ninjas and Super Spies, Beyond the Supernatural, and I'm I'm so sorry, Jacob. Recon came Number in 10. dead last. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I think these are overall because mm. he talks about Ninja Turtles a bit, which we'll get yeah. to. Yeah. I also like that the, his guess, Kevin's guess at the all time uh, across all the companies best-selling RPGs of all time. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to go over this one too, because I think this is fascinating at the time. And I think it's fairly accurate. D&D, AD&D, of course, tops the list. That's that's the giant, the juggernaut. Yep. After that, Vampire the Masquerade, which interestingly enough is going through a renaissance right now, uh, helped out by White Wolf and Alpha Busa um, being kicked off the, uh, well, not being kicked off, but running away from the dangers of the 40K franchise and doing all his fan base based off Vampire the Masquerade. And then number three, Riffs. Number four, Traveler. Number five, Champions. Number six, Call of Cthulhu. Number seven, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Number eight, GURPS. Number nine, Robotech. And number 10, RuneQuest. He makes an interesting thing in there that says Battletech is not going to count because it's not so much of a role-playing game. And at the time, it wasn't. Yeah, so there, before there was you before you light us up, yeah, yeah, there was Mech Warrior, but it was nowhere near as cool of a RPG offering as it eventually would become. Yeah, it's mainly just tabletop tactics. Yeah, and then there's a personal favorite RPGs to run, which is uh, Palladium Fantasy. No surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we all know that's his favorite. Rifts, Heroes Unlimited, Robotech. I would have loved to have been in a Robotech game with Kevin. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, and Beyond the Supernatural. Yeah. There's um, the answer of, of the, the age-old question of how to pronounce the z i t i Or x i t i i See, I can't even remember what Sean said. I think it was z i t i Yeah. What always throws me off when it's spelled this way, the Z-E-Y-E, is it makes it sound like it's Z-I. Because it yeah. looks like it's two syllables, but it's it really Z E E. So that should be one syllable. So it should be Zai. Mm. So Zai tickets. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, in the coming attractions, talking about books coming up, we got Zedekix Invasion, 
true, blah, 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 blah. I think almost all of this stuff happened, although I don't remember there ever being a Tribes of the Moon source book for Nightbane. I don't think that happened. Um, we got the siege on Tolkien, free Quebec, all that stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. We're getting more into the more realistic outlook at their release schedule. Uh, followed by Knights of the Dinner Table and the Murderous Turnips. <laughs> the, the, this one's bad. Like, this is, like, I, I, I have, um, like, I, I have the DMs back in a lot of this because Brian is, like, a horrible rules lawyer. Like, just, just horrible. And, like, you know, the, the pair are just, you know, they're idiots. Uh, you know, Dave and Bob. But it's... He was a killer DM in this one. Like this, 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 this was bad. He, he, he made a really bad call. I get the feeling that he's just tired of their shit. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. This this comic is about the dangers of making a one-off call in a group full of rules lawyers. Yeah, and having them use that against you ever after forward. Long story short, someone gets killed by a thrown turnip from an orc child, and so they they plant these magical turnips that can destroy worlds and yep. cultivate them. <laughs> anyway. Then we move on to Nightbane material. This is stuff that supplements, and, you know, some of it may have been left out of the Nightbane book Between the Shadows. It was a good book. We haven't really yeah. delved much into it, but it goes into astral plane, and it also goes into, like, dream regions. This is just some interesting astral stuff. It would be difficult to talk about this stuff without the greater context of what that book puts forward as astral space. Yeah, I would like to say, though, the concept of creating an astral domain that is your world to be molded at the cost of personal points of of PPE or stolen blood magic points Mm. of PPE. It, it's it struck me as very fully pose farmer world of tears with these little godlings running around and creating each of their their little worlds and then warring back and forth and invading back and forth and you know to to steal the ideas of the the, the energies of creation. I could see an entire campaign focused around just just one of these, either as as the villain or as an, an NPC. I don't see this at all. Unless everyone is doing it as a PC. The astral stuff in Nightbane is cool on its own. Yeah. I felt when I first read the book that it's all, this is all derived from. And I still feel now after having reread that book a couple of years ago for a campaign, the astral stuff is really cool. And I, I love, I love everything about it. I don't feel that it makes sense in Nightbane because Nightbane has a focus, and that is you yeah. turning into Nightbanes and fighting the creatures of Shadow. And adding in yet one more realm of things that suck feels like, oh, come on, you're stacking on too much. I, I feel like this is in direct response to Mage being released by White Wolf. Yeah, I mean, it could be. This like was the, there was late 99 when this was yeah, written. This, is, this was the great expansion from... Uh, what was it? It was a uh, vampire werewolf and then they, they had mages and then they had fairy and then they had like all these different stuff uh, come out. And I just, I kind of feel like this was, this was responding because that was, that was a huge trend at the time. Yeah, it could be. I think if you're going to run a game involving the astral stuff, 
and you really want to like dive into it, you should make it its own thing. Like have everybody in some way involved with astral space because there's a lot of astral OCCs Mm -hmm. in the book in addition to the new stuff that they have in here. And just that one book alone, as with all of Nightbane, just that one book alone between the shadows can run you lifetimes of gaming because of the open-endedness of astral space. But it's also so weird. (laughs) You got to be ready to go there. I had a a DM back in the day uh, for second edition D&D that I I just recently um, reconnected with. And she spent a lot of time going back and forth from the real to the, to the, she, she loved Planescape and, and going back and forth in that. And this, this has a very, a very similar feel of just this vast space that's concurrent with our own, but separate and very, you know, I mean, not as a bad word, but lots of gatekeepers in the way. <laughs> so yeah. Gatekeepers that will attack you and you have to kill them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, And then we beat up monkeys. Yeah, we've got a continuation of the ongoing uh, Machinations of Doom series from my favorite, Ramon Perez. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't really feel like we should dive into this much. Same with the two stories that follow, which are continuations of Hammer Mm -hmm. and Forge and Siege on Tolkien. I think the pieces should be viewed as a greater whole. And fortunately, I think all three of those were released separately as a greater whole piece. You know, I'd like to say, though, I really miss the concept of the cereal in a pulp, you know, where you get you get installment stories. That said, I think there's some real problems with this that happen only in cereals and pulps. And that is each page gets to call itself a chapter. And I think that's just pretentious. You don't get three chapters in three pages. You just you just don't stop that bad. Yeah, well, this whole thing is chapter four, and this is several pages. Oh, no. Uh, Which one is it? Uh, We'll we'll get to it when we get to that part of it. But there's some uh, more Bioborgs. I don't have much to say on it. Biowizardry is never my thing. So I read it, and I'm like, okay, cool, neat. All right, move on. So if if anybody else has feedback on them, share it. It it should be noted, though, that this is not... This is not optional. This is actually counts as official, whereas most of the Rifter counts as optional rules. So if you did have a kid in your group that was like, no, I mean, we're going to rules lawyer this. This actually should have been a part of Splendinec uh, dimensional market in Rifts Atlantis. This, this was a part that was meant to be there, but was cut for constraints. I mean, it, it's cool stuff. Um, yeah. These things, I think, would make great enemies. I, I don't really or think anti-hero like yeah, I mean you could yeah. yeah yeah I again the bio wizardry and stuff I never quite incorporated it I know that everybody loves the splugorth I just never really bothered with them it's funny because the the butts edition has the splugorth slaver and the mm-hmm. Altera warrior women and I've never once used either of those things in a campaign <laughs> until a player once wanted to play an Altera warrior woman. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I I can't say I I ever have either. And honestly, I normally don't. Here's my thing is that humanity and like, and I use humanity as most upright bipeds has enough evil going on just, you know, in, in your neighborhood (laughs) before you get into the, 
the extra dimensional slave trading aliens. Yeah. There's so many aspects of rifts to involve, and I'm not going to tell anybody not to use the Splugorth. I did myself had maybe I've just never gotten around to them. <laughs> it's and, and that's a thing. Like <laughs> like the, the world is so vast and so yeah. rich. Like you you can have you can have years of play and and never get to some things. Yep. I really like the uh what is it? The the sad Wolverine um Cthulhu on 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 page sixty with with the with the hentai tentacles. Yeah, hentai. Sad Wolverine Cthulhu. Uh, I love it. After that, we have Hammer of the Forge continuation, mm-hmm. chapter nine, and then I we get to what I think you were talking about, which is the Siege of Tolkien, where basically yeah. every page is chapter. <laughs> I just just stop it. It's like page thirty six. We have one. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve. Yeah, yeah. It's like every page is a different chapter, and it's just it, it's stop it, just stop. Yep. So following that, we have stuff from Arzno. Now, Arzno was eventually released as its own book in the Rifts World Book line, mm-hmm. from uh, written here by Jason Richards. Jason Richards is was uh we'll talk about him later actually because he did a game that was adjacent to rifts called breach world which i can't wait to actually talk about i love the game now arsno most of the stuff was reprinted in arsno it's very interesting if you're looking for an alternate take on a vampire heavy setting Mm because so the real short version you've got the vampire kingdoms to the south which everyone knows they're literally called the Vampire Kingdoms. But then you've got Arzno, which has more subtle vampires. It's like, halfway. It's yeah. the edges. It's the suburbs. And there's vampire lords out there that are, like, planning to take over, but they're mm. biding their time. They're they're playing a different game. It also has, like, its own uh, manufacturing and weapons base. Like, not, yeah. not to rival, like, Northern Gun or anything, but it's it's, you know... It's there. It's, it's it's happening. Yeah, so largely on these pages in this magazine, it details the city of Arsno and its defenders. It's kind of cool. So you get a this, this is the kind of stuff I live for, where it's just, and here is what's going on here. These are the people. This is the place. All it needs is, is a map. Yep. This is what they think of each other. I mean, it... it <laughs> It has a list of places of note, but we got to wait until the actual book to get more mm-hmm. details, like a map and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here's something I was not very impressed by, and that was an article here, page 105, about weather. Oh, yeah. Now, I, I've seen other weather tables. In fact, I'm pretty sure I've seen other Palladium weather tables. Maybe in mm-hmm. another article, maybe later on. I don't know. I'm just racking my brain to remember where. But I know I've seen significantly better weather rules than two random roll tables. This, this is... Yeah, I mean, at least go for seasons. This is... I, I am... I'm sorry, Owen. Owen, I, I'm glad that you submitted this, but this is weak. There, yeah, there should be more I, here. I, I would also like to say that... You are this 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 was written for Heroes Unlimited, is is what I believe he he said about this one. 
but you are missing so much. There's so like, much, yeah. For 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 riffs, like Reign of Frogs. You know, I mean, like you, and that's where you start. That's that's a that's a phenomenon that has happened here on Earth. Is it mm-hmm. has rained frogs? This we're talking about riffs, okay? So, but even just looking at if we apply this to Heroes Unlimited, there's still nothing really weird about it. Like mm. Heroes Unlimited is weird. It's it's a, there are superheroes, there are magicians, there are robots. Yeah, have a little bit more weirdness, you know. Like, yeah, it, it it rains it rains parts. Yeah, yeah. Like the metal bolts come down from the sky. Yeah, mm. I like the little Scott the Scotland uh, short story. Yeah, it's crazy by it's cool. uh, Christopher Jones. I wish we had seen more of Scotland in the England book. You know. Yeah, and I I just I think it's because I was a huge fan of the old BBC Robin Hood. I'm talking the old one, not the the recentish hipster one. Yeah. But yeah, the yeah, one yeah. with like yep. Clannad way back in the day. Oh, way back in the day. And, yeah. Uh, Hearn was in that and Hearn is in this and that made me happy. Hearn the Hunter. I love it because it's short. Very. I, I like really good short fiction. That is a complete mm-hmm. thing. But I also love, again, that it's a side story. It doesn't involve yeah. characters that we've seen and known and you know read about over and over. It's not another Aaron mm-hmm. Tarn story. It's a, an interesting Thank bit of God. side fiction in the Rifts setting. And I love that. I do too. Um, hook, line, and sinkers can always use those. Yeah. It's for the Palladium fantasy stuff. There's mm-hmm. some good ideas here. Now, the hook, line, and sinkers are like, you know, here's the premise of the adventure. Here's how you get them involved. And here's where everything goes crazy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's very basic stuff. I love it when they put these in. There's There's some good stuff here that you can actually make a good foundation for several campaigns. Yeah. And that's about the end of the book. So why don't we go back to the beginning here and talk about the the thingies? Yep. Okay. Ninja Turtles. First off, let's look at that cover. (sighs) We talked about that cover when we had Bassam and Cranny on. Like, one, it's amazing. It is brilliant artwork, but the subject matter. (laughs) Yeah. They look like they're all struggling to drop a turd that's just like... (laughs) Won't make it out of their clothing. No, 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 no. This is, this is really, really high grade LSD and really, really, <laughs> really high grade angel dust that got blown in their face by space Krang. And then, then they had an orgy whereupon they all swapped either their weapons yeah. or their, their masks because they're all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I mean like, and then they were attacked by tentacle monsters. Yeah, I, only one of them is right, and that's Raphael. Yeah, Raphael. Yeah. Leonardo could be right, because he's supposed to be blue, and, like, um, like he's kind of purpley, but that that's close. Yeah. Donatello has Michelangelo's colors. Michelangelo has Donatello's oh, colors. that's right. Michelangelo was orange. So, yeah, Raphael is the only one who's right. Who is? No, wait, it is the weapons. Look, because the guy on the top has the D on the belt. Yeah. And so that would be Donatello, but but it should and be he's holding the nunchucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. This is <laughs> there's there's stuff happening. Drugs are involved. Look <laughs> at Michelangelo's face. Just bite I, we, his lip. We, we we talk about uh, you you coined this great term like, and I don't even think it was on the podcast. It was it was something else. It was the uh, we we were bitching about like uh, what was it? It's the other three, five Pathfinder. 
we were bitching about Pathfinder art, and uh, it, you you gave the term constipated leaping, I believe. Oh, yeah, constipated leaping. Yep. This is totally constipated leaping, but it's it's brilliant at the same time. Like this is good constipated leaping. There's another trend that back in the day, I even started a Google community on Google Groups about this trend, which mm-hmm. is, I think, even more prevalent than constipated leaping. And that yeah. is three angry heroes brandishing weapons. Yeah, it is lazy fantasy RPG cover. <laughs> it's three yeah. heroes standing usually back to back in the middle in an angry looking action pose, holding a weapon forth like I'm this is my weapon and I am holding it forth <laughs> against either an unseen foe that is surrounding them or a visible mm-hmm. foe that's about to yeah. eat them. Everyone is saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, here, I am Action Man, and this is my weapon. I hate that so much. (laughs) I I started just collecting images. Every time I saw one, I would post and write a little funny thing about it. This is a twist on that, and that they're not just standing there brandishing weapons. They're they're literally being murdered by tentacles. (laughs) Yeah. So this one gets a pass for me, at least on that subject. Mm Mm-hmm. The, the acid-fueled rage? <laughs> Personally, it's great art. Like, if, if, great. I, had, if, if, if I had a quality blow-up print of this, I, I would frame this and hang it on my wall. Like, this is first-rate stuff. Oh, goddamn yes. If somebody has the original, contact me. I'll buy it from you. Yeah. It's wonderful. So let, let, let's talk about this. Every so often, you will get a real glimpse into the inner workings of Palladium and thusly a lot of the, the workings of, like, small to mid-level game design at the time. And this is one of these one of these great moments where they're talking about the difference between selling uh, how many copies you can sell, what's happening with the IP in the rest of the world. Because at this time, if and this may be too late for, for people to remember, but Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the comic book, was gritty as fuck. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was bloody and nipply and dark and like th- these are things that live in a sewer, you know. Like like, like it was th- there was poop. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like it wasn't it wasn't you know haha turtle power and we like we have this cool van that throws pizzas haha and everyone's fine at the end of the episode like the cartoon. It was brutal and. The Palladium version is based on that. It is not based off, you know, the the silly kids. And there's they they talk about how how no one wanted to buy what 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 was becoming kid stuff. Like yeah. it just wasn't cool. How the cartoon anymore. had an adverse effect on the game's sales. Yeah, and and how like the the wild success of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles still to this day is still a huge IP. But how its success did kill its game, just because there's, you know, no one in their late teens who really wants to, except for, you know, I mean, like, I, I might actually, like, I, I could do a cartoon thing, but it, it would be niche, like it would be a one book thing, you know, like you couldn't, it, it would be done. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. So Ninja Turtles has a series of books for an RPG. Honestly, mm-hmm. I don't think there's that much you can do. It, unless you are, I don't know. 
You could publish adventures. That's about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a half-baked thought here. I'm sorry. It's licensed properties have this problem in that when somebody makes a game or a a role-playing game or a video game or anything based on a licensed property, they are either constrained solely to certain things that appeared within certain scope of said property or constrained by perceptions of said property. This is a case, I think, where Palladium was just given free reign to go eight mm-hmm. shit wild and do whatever the hell they want. And they did because the <laughs> comics went ape shit wild and did all kind of crazy things. <laughs> and you, you end up with wonderful books like Transdimensional TMNT mm-hmm. and Truck and Turtles and Roadhogs that yeah. eventually sort of get ported over because the subject matter is still worth exploring in their own house line after the bomb. But yeah. Today, in today's market, I don't think they can get away with that. I don't think anybody could. Because licensing in the role-playing game world has caught up to licensing and everything else. Mm-hmm. So it's all one it's, it's all so strict. The scope of everything is 100% defined on paper, what you can and cannot use, where you can and cannot go. That if an official licensed TMNT game came out today... It would probably be by like fucking Hasbro or whoever toy yeah. company still owns it. And it would suck. It would be one book. It would be some soulless written by a corporation game system, either D&D or Hasbro's new terrible game line that they used for Transformers and Power Rangers and G.I. Joe. Yeah. And, and it would it would ooze references to the show and to the comics mm-hmm. But it would never deviate beyond that. It would never. Yeah. There would be no soul to it. Like so many licensed properties today. Are, are you saying that Hasbro ruins games? <laughs> are you saying like I shouldn't spend upwards of $1,000 to rebuy everything for AD and, uh, for Dungeons and Dragons? What, what, what are you saying here? Yes, I'm saying that. God damn it. <laughs> Absolutely. No, you shouldn't. God damn it, people. Stop doing this. You, you are doing this by yeah. buying it. This is your fault. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. That, that's that's a, 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 a bit away. But, I, you know, I don't want to read it out loud because I think you should go and read this yourself. It's available digitally and physically. Yeah. Word for word, this is a fascinating article. And I, I just, I, I... I, I needed to read this. I, I didn't know what, what had happened. And like, he talks about the successful mass marketing and why, why it made them so much money and how happy he was for them and how it, it just killed it. Because, you know, you know, once, once you're in a happy meal, you know, that's just that. I say the same thing about Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. Once you are to a point that there are cute Hello Kitty dolls made after you. Mm. They're no longer cool or scary. And I think the the people who buy the bobbleheads are like the Funkos or, you know, you're not helping guys. You're, you're really helping. Not. Yeah. You're, you're just buying your childhood repackaged and resold to you. Yeah. Except in something you can't play well, with. Let me move mine away so they're not on the camera. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Andy. <laughs> Here's the thing. Um, 
he talks some some direct numbers like once the the cartoon came out and it's it became kidified as he calls it that the sales plummeted from 4000 uh copies a month to less than 100 like it's it's literally that so it, it's interesting that that success can also equal failure in 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 an ip and if you haven't if if you weren't into comics at that time, I, like we should say, there were there was what there was like it references it in the article. There was uh, Marvel, DC, and Dark Horse, I believe, were the only things going at the time. Like really, Image, Image had just come out. That's right, with Spawn. The Image came out a few years before that. They were in the early, mid mid nineties because I was I was a yeah. kid when I got the first issue of Spawn. Okay, yeah, but yeah, there was like four. But this was like this this was two dudes, Eastman and Laird. And like, this is what gave the impetus to independent comics. And it's so weird that while it gave the success to it and the willingness for people to give money to independent comics, it also very much killed itself. It, it, it ate its own tail. Yep. And it's still eating its own tail and it's still selling and making movies. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's really an amazing thing when you look at it. If you want to know more of a, of a historical look behind what happened, mm. where it all started and where it all went. I recommend going to Netflix and they have mm. a, a Netflix house series called the toys that made us. And I believe it was in season two where they had teenage mutant Ninja turtles. It's a fantastic look into the history of how it all started. And it's also very entertaining. Mm-hmm. They know how to tell a good story with it. Also, Kevin Sabita appears in that video talking oh, about nice. Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Um, that's really Rifter 9. Mm-hmm. Um, we were going to do nine and a half, but we both read it and we're like, oh, we have to go. There, there's more time we need to spend on we that. We need to spend more time. Rifter nine and a half is a world changing event. It comes once an epoch. And I yeah. think in order for us to really really do it justice we each need to sit back and savor each word yeah this is a couple yeah this is a couple rereads to to (laughs) before i'm ready to bring that one up yeah as for rifter nine though not not to get too far ahead i think it is it is something you should have on your shelf it's it's another it's another glimpse inside it has some fantastic art and I, I really think you need to read that article. Like everyone who has any fascination with this period. And, and if you're listening to our niche podcast about a, a, a niche time in, in role playing, I, I think you have that interest and you should see if you can get your hands on this. My thoughts on that topic would be, yes, if you are interested in the history and if you want an insight into, you know, how things went down, then Go get a physical copy of Rifter 9 if you can and put it on mm-hmm. your shelf. If you just want to read the article just to know, then go buy a digital copy and then read it. However, if all you're interested is in the content of the magazine and you just want some cool gaming stuff, really, this is a Nightbane heavy uh, episode uh, issue. It's mm-hmm. got a lot there if you want the astral plane very specific and if you want some good palladium fantasy ideas there's some good stuff there too and you liked a uh, split dimensional market and you want more of that 
come here. However, if you're a Ninjas and Super Spice person, if you're into Heroes Unlimited, if you're into the newer things like Dead Rain or the complete role-playing game known as Chaos Earth, if any of these things are, are your jam, that's probably not the magazine issue for you. Well, I, w- I would say that I can't think of a system where the uh, astral stuff won't work. Like it's, that would work in, in heroes that would work in palladium fantasy that works in riffs. Like I, I think, I think that's a good, and it's, it's like 10, 12, maybe 15 pages. Like it's, there's a lot of it. Oh, and that, that actually, I was just about to be like, no, maybe not, but no, actually you're right. Cause it got me thinking I, in addition to being a palladium gamer, am a long time Shadowrun gamer. Mm-hmm. I have both second and fourth editions almost memorized. Shadowrun was my other go-to game for a long time. Shadowrun mages can go into the astral plane and mm-hmm. do astral things. And it's boring yeah. as fuck. All it is is like an overlay to reality. So players, dear listeners, if you're coming at this from the perspective of the astral plane being anything like it is in Shadowrun, you're like, man, yeah, the astral stuff isn't that cool. It's nothing like in Shadowrun. It is mm-hmm. acid-laden realms of alternate existence. So if that yeah. interests you, then yes, yes, get this book. You see, I am a sick fuck and I read sick fuck sci-fi. <laughs> so when when they're talking about how the, the realm dies when... Uh, when when the creator dies like how it how it begins to fade and like crumble and like slowly decay i started thinking of my minecraft experiences with something called a grinder and basically where that is is like it's it's a spawn and a killing machine and then you pick up the stuff at the bottom and so you can like keep your astral plane together with blood magic is a thing with isp so all you need to do is create an astral plane with an indigenous population that kind of dies in such a way that you can harvest their ISP and then it's eternal and it's an engine of creation and death and wonder. And it's just really cool. You just got my brain spinning. This is what I do. It's why you keep me on the podcast. Uh, Yeah. Matthew, (laughs) thank you very much. You just got my brain spinning. Now I'm getting ideas here and I'm going to name some source material that you dear listener might also get some ideas from if you want to run something similar to that or astrally. I should save this for the Night Bane episode when we talk about that book, but I'm not going. I'm going to do it now. Boom! Dropping some dropping some inspiration <laughs> bombs here. Check out a movie called Existence. It's like existence, but it's Existence. It ends with a Z. It's got Jude Law and I forget who else. It is this reality shifting hopping story that you never know what's real and what's not and it's constantly moving through different versions check out the tv show sliders sliders Mm -hmm. is a serialized somewhat less stressful version of the same thing but also check out the movie the cell oh yeah yeah Yeah, yeah, the cell is 100 some astral space kind of stuff very similar to what palladium's got going on here with the astral realms any kind of story that you can find where people are moving between alternate versions. Oh my God. Fucking the movie, Leonardo DiCaprio movie where no one knew if it was ending properly. Uh, yeah. The movie. (laughs) What was that? 
What's it called? I don't know. I never saw it. I just know the wall. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> it's on the tip of my tongue. I forget the name of that movie. The, but the wah, movie with yeah. the spinning ring. Yeah. That or the spinning coin or whatever. But also <gasps> a palladium adjacent product. Amber. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. By Roger Zelazny. Read the books. Don't don't bother with the, anything else. Just Just read the books. Palladium has and if you ask nicely and you say in your christmas package i want something weird as our dear listener and friend and former guest brandon can attest they have a book a collection of stories and inspirations from amber 100 mm-hmm. astral plane stuff right there so yeah go for I, it I, I, i'm just going to add one last uh <laughs> plug to that because most of mine comes from from like uh literature and uh, mine is, guys, like, the, the, he's dead now. He can't hurt you anymore. Uh, go read Philippe-José Farmer, The World of Tears. Everyone's read The Fabulous Riverboat, the one where they go when they die. Don't read that. Go read The World of Tears. They have great old Boris Vallejo covers. Uh, they, they are amazing. It is an amazing series of books. And even in the last one, Red Orc's Rage, it references what is coming into play right now. D&D is therapy, like role-playing games is therapy. And this was written late 70s, early 80s. Like, he has always been an amazing author. And while To Your Scattered Bodies Go and The Fabulous Riverboat are an amazing series, The World of Tears, and that's Tears is in a stack, not crying, is the most amazing piece of sci-fi. And I read it too young because it's kind of smutty. And it it, it is it had a huge impact on my imagination and i cannot highly recommend it enough especially if you are interested in pocket universes and the horrible things that keep them running what's real funny is that you said the world of tears multiple times before you even went on that little Mm -hmm. diatribe there and each time you said it the word tear in my brain was spelled T-Y-R, like the Norse god. So I'm just oh, yeah. picturing a whole lot of one-armed Norse gods in a world. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes! That sounds awesome! <laughs> oh, it's, 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 it's really good, you guys. You need to ch- oh my god, we're almost in an hour. Okay, so anyway, everyone, this was the longest drifter ever, but that's because it's it's a really good one. It is. Yeah. And the more we talk about it now, the more I want to go reread it again. Yeah. Oh yeah. Get Rift for nine. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks for thanks for listening, folks. We'll catch you on the next one. <laughs> Starships, magic, mystic martial arts, romance. All of these can be found in A Cloak of Blades by Isaac Sher. You might have heard my name before. I've done a lot of voiceover work for Breakfast Puppies. And I've recently released my first novel. It's available on Amazon as an ebook and paperback, and you can get it for free if you have a Kindle Unlimited subscription. I do hope you'll support my work as you're supporting Breakfast Puppies. And it's been a pleasure talking with you today. Have a good one. You've been listening to The Glitter Boys, a Palladium Books fan podcast. 
Glitter Boys, Rifts, the Megaverse, and all other such topics are the property of Kevin Sambita and Palladium Books. Please buy all their stuff and help keep them in print and making more games. You can order directly at palladiumbooks.com, and their entire catalog is available digitally at DriveThruRPG as well. Our opening music is 8-Bit Bass and Lead by Furby Guy from freesound.org. This closing music is Caravana by Philip Gross, available at freemusicarchive.org. All sound effects used are self-made or acquired via Creative Commons Zero License. If you like what you have heard, find us on Twitter and Facebook as The Glitter Boys. That's B-O-I-S. And check us out online at breakfastpuppies.com slash glitterboys. And also join us on the Breakfast Puppies Network Discord at breakfastpuppies.com slash discord. And if you want to help us out, please spread the word and help us build a community. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>